needs. And please help all children around the world. Amen. And when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in, into the Spirit, into the temple when the parents brought in, in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared the presence of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his, father and, his, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many Israel. In Israel, and a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Thank God for our children. Thank you, children. That was wonderful. Just hearing you pray for us and read God's word. Uh, Before we start, um, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you, Lord, from whom all blessings flow. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can be here together again. 
uh, under your name. And Lord, as we, as we read your word, as we look at your word together, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal again the Lord Jesus to us. Reveal to us his promises, reveal to us his goodness, reveal to us our need for him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to start today's sermon by asking everyone a question. What would you like to experience before you die? Uh, So for those of us who are growing up that are younger, it may be having some independence. It may be wanting to get out of the house and do your own thing. Uh, And for those who are older, it may be just the hope of good health or uh, the hope of better relationships with the people who we live amongst. Whatever your thoughts are, I suppose that the, prom- the responses would be different. They would be different depending on what stage of life you're at. So for those who are older, um, the question would probably seem quite relevant to be think about, thinking about what you want to experience before you die um, as your life draws closer to its end. But for those who are younger... Death is something that we'd rather not think about right now. I mean, why would we want to think about death? Why would I want to start today's sermon by thinking about death? Why would I want to start thinking about death when I've just started my life as somebody young? However, because all of us die at some point, right? It'd be wise for us to discover what we need to see Not to pass away through death, but to instead allow death to pass over us. In today's sermon, we see the story of baby Jesus, don't we? At the start of his life, here on earth, he's brought to the temple in Jerusalem by Mary and Joseph to do for him what it says, according to the custom of the law. We're then going to look at the response that was just read by the children of the two elderly people in Simeon and Anna, who, despite their old age, they're waiting in hope for Jesus to come and save his people from their sins. And finally, we'll consider what this means for us today, and particularly at this time of Christmas. So if you can begin by looking with me at verse 22 through to 27, we see here Mary and Joseph coming to the temple in Jerusalem and they're bringing a sacrifice to present Jesus to God. And despite uh, God's people, the, the Jews being under Roman rule, Mary and Joseph are still devoted to bringing Jesus to the temple. They do what is right to satisfy what God required for the birth of a firstborn son. All of these things had to be done. They had to be done. It wasn't a question of they could get out of it. They had to be done. These special sacrifices carefully outlined the law that God gave to Moses. If you remember back in Exodus, God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. What did the law do? It showed God's people his nature. Showed him that he is holy. 
showed him, showed us his expectations, what he loves, what he hates. Just like if this Christmas you were to get a gift, you receive an expensive gift. Just imagine this Christmas you're going to receive a very expensive gift. It would be wrong of you not to understand what that gift was for or to read the instructions before using it. Why? In case you damaged it, of course. In case you used it in a way that is inappropriate. If you did something wrong with it, if you're a child and you got a toy and used it wrong, that toy might break and be ruined. And Mary and Joseph here are doing the same thing. They're keen to follow God's instruction and do the right thing for baby Jesus. Why? Because he's God's chosen son. And even more so, because we know that before they're visited by who? They're visited by an angel. And they're told directly who Jesus is to be. And so while this is an ordinary process for a a normal firstborn Jewish son, what we're reading here is, is out of the ordinary. Jesus is unlike any other. He's not just unlike any other Hebrew boy, he's unlike any other human being that's ever been born. For Mary and Joseph, they could have very easily decided to stay in Bethlehem, just chill, just be there a little longer, or just even go straight home to Nazareth. Remember, they'd already been traveling for a week. However, if they decided to head straight home, they would have had to make the same route that goes past Jerusalem anyway. So from Bethlehem, it's a six-mile walk uphill to Jerusalem. They would have gone past the temple. So by deciding to go to the temple to do to Jesus according to the law, as it says here, Mary and Joseph are proving Not necessarily their devotion to God, which they are, but it's actually proving God's devotion to us. Remember Yannick preached about how Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. It wasn't a coincidence. It happened at that time for a reason. And I believe the same thing is happening here that we're reading in the text. Jesus is presented to the temple because at the temple because God wants that to happen that way. Okay. And Mary's response that we see of putting off what she wants. She could have just rested at home and not actually come to present Jesus at the temple. We see the theme repeated of the Old Testament where women who couldn't have birth and were barren were able to have children. The right response is what she does. She dedicates her son, her firstborn son, to the Lord. For the Virgin Mary, the miraculous gift of a son, deserved ultimate obedience and devotion. Not only was Mary poor and tired, she had to sacrifice 
uh, as we look at verse 24, a sacrifice according to what the law of the Lord said, a pair of turtle doves or of two young pigeons. So turtle doves were allowed to be brought as a sacrifice for those who couldn't afford a lamb. Imagine how funny that is, that Mary couldn't afford a lamb, yet she's carrying the most costly gift in her arms. Jesus, who is with her, the Lamb of God. The whole picture of Mary and Joseph arriving at the temple with Jesus, you may think that it's usual and typical, but it's not. It wasn't typical that the child would be brought to the temple along with the sacrifice. Yet on this occasion, it's very fitting, isn't it? Jesus presented in the temple, he's the sacrifice. He would pay once and for all the sins of not just Mary and Joseph, but for all who would trust in him for salvation. And despite the great effort they would go to, to do the right thing according to the law, it's not the turtle doves. It's only Jesus who is able to make Mary clean. And just as it was on the night of Exodus from Egypt, when the firstborn sons of Israel would not die because of the blood of the Lamb, we too, you and I, today, if we trust in Jesus, you can be spared from death because of the costly sacrifice that God has prepared through the blood of his only son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. So, because Jesus fulfills the law by becoming the sacrificial lamb for our sins, how should we respond to his coming this Christmas? Look with me at verse 25 to 35. And what we see is we see the right response, don't we? We see it through, firstly, Simeon. He's described as righteous, devout in verse 25. And in verse 26, we're told that previously it was shown to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he met Jesus. What a wonderful promise. Imagine that. What a wonderful promise. He's told by the Holy Spirit, you will not die until you meet the Lord's Christ. However, Simeon is not described as a priest, yet he assumes the role of a priest. And that's the same for us as New Testament believers. We're able to assume that role by Simeon taking Jesus in his arms. In verse 28, he's not stealing the baby away, saying, I'm going to take the baby. Because remember, he's not a priest. He's just a normal man. He's not stealing the baby away from the family. He's not taking Jesus to even sacrifice him, as some other pagans would. He's doing so to bless God. And much like how how the elders in this church would take a child in their arms when a parent decides to dedicate their child to the Lord here, and in fact our tradition of doing that comes from this very verse, However, what happens next is anything but similar to what happens here. What does Simeon do then, you may ask? Look with me at verse 29 
3 to 32. Simeon almost sings a song of praise to God for Jesus. He essentially says, I can die now. I don't need to live any longer. My life is fulfilled. Hold on, but why? Why is his life fulfilled? Verse 30 says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. You see, salvation is not found in a special group. Salvation is not found in a culture. Salvation is not found in a religion. Salvation is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And for Simeon, imagine it might have seemed a bit ridiculous at the time. He's holding this baby and being told that this baby is the saviour of the world. And we see the promise that was given to him by the Holy Spirit is being fulfilled through Jesus' birth and obviously this dedication that's happening now. And it's striking. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is a sacrifice that God has prepared for all peoples. Let me say that again. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is the sacrifice God has prepared for all peoples. So how do we know this as well? How do we know it's for all peoples? Verse 32. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. So not only is salvation found in Jesus for people from Israel, but it's also for people from all nations. Just imagine the World Cup is finishing today. The World Cup final is today. We've had the World Cup with nations from all over the world, gathering in Qatar, in a celebration, almost, of the beautiful game, as they call it. Well, one day, let me tell you something, there will be a gathering of all nations in one place, in a celebration of the beautiful name of Jesus. But how do Mary and Joseph respond to these great words that Simeon is proclaiming about their son? We're told in verse 33 that Mary and Joseph, they marvel at what Simeon says about Jesus. Why though? Why are they marveling? Again, they shouldn't be surprised. They were already told who their son was to be. However, we see that even though they were visited by Gabriel, they still are comforted and reassured by this prophecy that Simeon gives about Jesus. And as you can imagine, they would have been immensely proud. Wouldn't you be if you had a child that was told all these wonderful things about them? Simeon also reminds them of the sacrificial nature of Jesus' life. And that will make them very sad. Look with me at verse 34. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. You see, Jesus, 
the suffering servant, he will live a life that will shake up friendships. He will live a life that will shake up family homes and divide a nation. He will be a sign that is opposed. And as we go on to read in the Gospels, ultimately, it's that which costs him his life. Ultimately, the death on a cross. And we look at the next example, the next response to Jesus. We looked at Simeon's example, now we look at Anna's example. And even for someone like Anna, who was a prophetess, it says here, and seemed super holy, like Mary, like Joseph, like Simeon, she needed Jesus also. We're told in verse 36 that she's well advanced in years. An 84-year-old widow. She essentially lived in the temple. Look at verse 37. Worshipping with fasting and prayer day and night. Sounds like a modern-day nun to me. Anna was alone. She had no husband and she was part of one of the tribes of Israel that were considered lost during that time, the tribe of Asher. Despite all of these things seemingly working against her, thanking God and being happy with her existence, you never get that sense, do you? You never get the sense that God has left her. Despite belonging to this supposed lost tribe, Asher, There's no indication that she's lost or she's forgotten the God of Israel. And after seeing Anna's response, after seeing Jesus, sorry, Anna's response, how is it? It's resoundingly righteous. We're told in verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So like Simeon, she gives God thanks. She begins to speak about Jesus to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. In fact, you could say she becomes one of the first evangelists. She declares the good news of the Lord's Christ. And so, according to the law of God, are you presenting the Lamb of God the Lord Jesus, as your sacrifice to pay for your sins? Or are you placing your trust in what you do to save you? When your sin is confronted, do you often say, I didn't do anything wrong, it's not my fault? Or do you make excuses when the reality is there are none that are good? There are none that are righteous. No, not one. We all need Jesus. Even those of us who are doing the right things, we're trying our best, we're coming to church, we're praying, we're reading our Bibles, we're giving thanks to God, we're doing all the things that God expects of us, we're loving our neighbours, we're looking after people. The temptation there is to think that God is pleased with us because of these good things. And yes, God does want us to do these good things, but these things don't make us right by him. 
Jesus is God's only acceptable sacrifice. He is only his sacrifice that fulfills the law and pays the costly debt of our sins. Nothing else can do it. It deserves the response of thanksgiving to God for God's great salvation for all people. So you may be asking, how can I say thank you to God? What can I do? The best way we can say thank you to God is by giving our lives to him. So what Mary and Joseph did, they realized that Jesus did not belong to them. He belonged to God. What you today must realize is that your life does not belong to you. It belongs to God. Jesus wants you. It looks like a life of trusting and obeying what he says. You see, we like Mary and Joseph. We bring our spiritual title doves. We're poor. We're beggars. There's nothing we can bring to God. We're too poor to even afford a lamb. And Jesus' dedication here is a reminder, isn't it? It's a reminder that we need Jesus. We need the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, to pay for our sins. And so in conclusion, you may say, I'm too young. I'm too young to make such a big commitment. But the reality may be that you love your sin more than you love the Savior. God has... God, it is God who's made the bigger commitment. So in worrying about making a commitment, I think you need to focus on the fact that it's God who has made the biggest commitment. God gave his son. God gave his son to die on the cross for your sins. All he asks is that you repent, you believe. And you can be sure of being made right with him. Acknowledge that you don't obey all the things, children, that your parents ask you to do. And even us today who are still children, we don't obey what we're supposed to do. Let alone obeying our Heavenly Father. Confess your sins. Bring them before God. Turn away from them. Whoever turns to God, he will not turn away. And going back to the start of the sermon, because we will all die at some point, it would be wise, it would be wise of us to place our trust in Jesus for our eternal life today. Why? Because tomorrow is not promised. You know what? We may not even see Christmas. We make all these plans and all these great ideas. We may not even see next week. So don't be so arrogant to think, I'll put it off. I'll wait. It's foolish.
Or you may say, on the other hand, alternatively, oh, I'm too old. It's too late for me to change. The reality is you're probably right, but it's God who will change you. You don't need to change yourself, it's God who will change you. The problem is, too many of us don't want to be changed. We don't want to be changed. We're comfortable with being the boss of our own life. But let me tell you, a life committed to Jesus, it requires making that sacrifice of making him the boss. You see, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. God will not reject this. It's an easy choice, you see. There's no real comparison. Jesus gave up his majesty, his throne in heaven, to dedicate himself to God's service, whereas we just have to give up our sin, dedicate ourselves to him. And this is the message this this Christmas. Whether you're going to be someone who gives loads of gifts or whether you're going to be someone who receives loads of gifts, don't forget that it is Jesus that is God's great gift of salvation. We no longer have to wait to be rescued from our our sin because God has provided a way. He has provided his son, Jesus. So if you hear God's word today, Ask him to allow your eyes to see his salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus Christ was the wondrous mystery, the king that dawned. He's now the theme of heaven's praises. Lord, we thank you so much that Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law, even from his very birth, that he lived a life that was perfect without sin, He suffered, died, went to the cross. And now he's re- he was raised and now he reigns with you. That, Lord, we can come before God without any hesitation, without any fear anymore. Knowing, Lord, that we can be granted and we can be given pardon for our sin. Our sins can be forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. We thank you so much, God, for the gift of your son. We thank you so much, God, that you gave yourself for us. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We thank you so much. We pray, Lord, that this Christmas, Lord, we be different. We pray, Lord, that you change us, Lord. Change our attitudes. Change our sinful ways, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to cause your name to be on our lips to our friends. 
Cause your name to be on our lips, Lord, to our family members who do not know you, Lord God. And for anyone here who has not yet received Jesus, know that he loves you. He he, he died for you. He, He poured out his life for you. Thank you so much, God, that you've given your son. And I pray, Lord, today that uh, as we go out and we sing, Lord, we respond like Anna and Simeon with that thanksgiving, with that praise. Understanding, Lord, how great a salvation we have. How great a salvation we have in the Lord Jesus. And for our children, Lord, we pray the same for them. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to, to... To not be fake, Lord. To not live like Pharisees. To not try and uh, look right and do the right things. But to put all of our trust in Jesus. That, Lord, that they would receive the true gospel through the way we live our lives. And that they too, Lord, would come to know Jesus for themselves. Amen.